One, two, three, four. Screen time! Screen time! Screen time! Screen time! Screen time! Screen time! to It's My Screen Time 2, the podcast where two moms with no medical training would like to state for the record that 99 degrees is not a legit fever. I'm Deborah, And I'm Katie. And I have three kids. I have a nine-year-old named Tony and six-year-old twins named Libby and Nate. And I have two kids, a three-and-a-half-year-old named Jay, who currently has a 99-degree Beaver. You can't see my air quotes, but I hope you can hear them. And an <laughs> eight-month-old named Kenny. Our kids are pretty darn adorable, aren't they? Even when they're sick. Actually, I find that a low-grade fever like really mellows my kids out, so I don't mind it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> they're just they're super sick. snuggly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so we always like to kick off the episode by telling a little story about how awesome or occasionally awful our kids are, because if we didn't get it out of our systems up front, it would like just clutter the entire episode. So let's just take care of that. Deborah, what have your kids done lately? <laughs> to continue all the stories about my kids swearing, <laughs> I have a good, another good one. So Libby had a rash that required hydrocortisone cream, which really helps out. But, you know, it kind of stings when you put it on if your skin is itchy. And so I talked her into it, bribed her with candy, rubbed the cream on her arms, and she <laughs> whispered, Jesus Christ. <laughs> And I was like, did you just say Jesus Christ? And she kind of looked guilty and nodded. And I was like, this is a good time to swear. Yes. You can totally swear when you have to do something uncomfortable. You're in the privacy of your own bathroom. Go ahead. And so then she started like jumping up and down, yelling at the top of her lungs, like, Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ. <laughs> But I felt like it was a really good teachable moment on, like, when it's okay to swear, like, mm -hmm. your skin hurts. Sure, you're in your bathroom, fine. When not to swear. They're Catholic school. Yes. I think that's <laughs> awesome. Way to parent, Deborah. That was a really, really great strategy, and I'm not being sarcastic at all. She was so funny. It was so cute. <laughs> if I were the type of parent to put my kids on YouTube, it would have gone viral, I think. <laughs> Just another throwback to another cute Deborah kid story from way, way back in the day. I don't know if you remember this, but... There was one you said where Libby just kept mispronouncing the word apricot and would say mm, yeah. apricot. <laughs> I don't know if she's gotten over this yet. It's been a while, <laughs> probably like two years. Um, mm -hmm. But Jay has been learning about the parts of a book at school, like the covers and the spine. And he's also been learning about the people who make the book, like the illustrator and the author. Mm -hmm. But instead of author, he insists that it's Arthur. Oh, funny. But he's insistent that his way is correct. No, mommy, it's Arthur. Nobody author. No, Arthur. <laughs> oh, that's cute. It's pretty adorable. <laughs> and also in other news, Kenny is so close to crawling. He 
just wants to move so bad, so I have to childproof, which sucks. Oh, but crawling babies are the best. They're so <laughs> cute. <laughs> All right, so moving on to real business. Our, for our screen time in the news segment today, we chose a CNBC article called Disney Plus is the service Apple wants. We've been talking quite a bit about the streaming, the various streaming platforms available to us and what they're doing as far as kids content. And I think we can agree that Disney Plus is kind of being held up as the holy grail of kids content because, mm-hmm. hey, it's Disney. They announced this a while back, and we've been waiting with bated breath for them to release it, and it's supposed to come out later this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and pretty much every parent I know is just already resigned to the fact that they're going to be paying for it. Yeah. I mean, this article said six ninety nine a month, which to me seems pretty reasonable. Yeah. They're trying to hook us. Mm-hmm. And everything is going to be downloadable. Which is, again, which is, awesome for travel. Yeah, amazing, actually. They're contrasting Disney's service and the announcement that Disney made about all this awesome stuff about their service. The price, the fact that everything's going to be downloadable, all this original content they're doing. They're doing new Star Wars stuff. They're doing new Marvel stuff. They're just they're putting a ton of stuff exclusively on that service in addition to their back catalog, they announced it. Sounds awesome. I'm like almost happy to pay $7 a month for it. On the other hand, Apple announced their streaming service, Apple Plus, with like a big splashy event with a lot of celebrities, but no real information. So like we know Oprah and Steven Spielberg are involved somehow, but we have no real idea about the content of their programs, about the price point of the service, nothing like that. You know, I don't have an iPhone. I'm not a Apple person, so mm-hmm. I don't really pay close attention to it. I thought it was really interesting that this article suggested that Apple should buy Disney will buy Disney, should have purchased Disney, like, last year. Um, I don't know a lot about the entertainment or technology business, so I thought that was intriguing. Definitely intriguing. Kind of insane to think about what a content behemoth Disney has become with all its acquisitions of Pixar, of Mm -hmm. Marvel, of Lucasfilm. And then to pile Apple... If Apple had all of that content plus all of their control over the hardware, that's really intense. That's that's a lot of control over every aspect of our media-consuming lives. Yeah, it's crazy. And are we just going to be, like, on our devices <laughs> watching Sister Act 3, like, when the world, when the oceans come crashing over us? Stop, Deborah. stop. There's a Sister Act 3. Yeah, that's one of the like teaser things for Disney+. Plus. What? I am so there for it. <laughs> oh my gosh. Sister Act 2. Oh, such a touchstone of my music geek early high school days, right? <laughs> totally. I loved the Sister Act movies for sure. <laughs> it's 
Galaxy, I'm happy to give them this money, but if Apple acquires them, you know that $6.99 price point is going away really quickly. Is Do you think they would charge more for it? Oh, I mean, even as a non-Apple user, you have to know that Apple products are insanely expensive, right? Well, yeah, that's why I don't have an iPhone. <laughs> so I have to think they'd apply that same logic to their streaming service, right? Oh, probably. And see, I would be afraid that they're going to make it only available on Apple products. That doesn't seem fair. I know that we live in a capitalist society and like nothing is fair, but the way it is now, you can get Netflix on any brand TV. I don't know that it would be in their best interest to only offer it on Apple devices because think about way back in the like first boom of iTunes and the 99 cent song like when you could all of a sudden legally mm-hmm. acquire all of this music you could get all of that on your pc as well as yeah your that's true Apple that's true device and i think it's been pretty well established that's worked out for, that worked out for them pretty well <laughs> right that's true uh, all right, so we will keep an eye on this, listeners. If you have any thoughts about the Disney Plus service, the Apple Plus service, any potential acquisitions, uh, let us know. Hit us up on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash myscreentime2 or tweet us at myscreentime2. Do we have any follow-up from our last episode? Just generally, occasionally we talk about what we're watching in our adult screen time lives and like we are at a loss for a new show oh wow so um (laughs) how do you feel about the mob i'm pro okay because you you watched quite a bit of boardwalk empire yes yeah 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 okay so i always thought i was totally anti-mob stories don't at me twitter um, because I didn't like The Godfather, <laughs> and okay. I didn't make it all the way through Boardwalk Empire either. I just, so much of it seemed cliche to me today that I put off and put off and put off watching this much-lauded Netflix series called Peaky Blinders. Have you heard of it? Oh, yeah, I've heard of it, but haven't seen it. Oh, my gosh. Okay. There are four seasons out. Kevin and I just started the second season it's really good so if you're looking for something that like has a lot of content out there already I would recommend it I'm writing it down on a post-it note right now thank you (laughs) (laughs) so today we're talking about the Netflix stop motion animated I'm gonna say phenom but that is not what it is (laughs) but the title is Buddy Thunderstruck. It has one season out. It's by the creators of Robot Chicken. It follows the escapades of Buddy, who's a big rig driver, and he and his pal Darnell get into a lot of scrapes. Yeah. Is he a big rig driver or just like a big rig racer? Big rig racer, I guess. Truck racing is the thing that I know zero about so oh well we'll get into it one it has an interactive episode which we're very into the interactive shows on netflix so we wanted to check that out and katie you had watched an episode before right i had started an episode before 
because as you know from way back in the day when we did our Sean the Sheep episode I love stop motion animation I love the Mm -hmm. artistry of it I love the intricacy of it so I try to just keep my finger on the pulse there a little bit I watched part of the pilot episode and was viscerally repulsed I had to turn it off I thought it was so bad yeah so this this was kind of take two for me and Buddy Thunderstruck well we watched the first episode Buddy Double and Beaver Dam Quick Pizza um we also watched episode seven Haters of the Lost Arcade slash Stunt Fever and then episode 13 is the interactive one the baby pile and just FYI you have to search for that separately it's not for me it wasn't in the list of regular episodes right but it's findable it was fine (laughs) so we'll start going through the episodes one by one and then we'll move on to our more general thoughts about the show in general generally (laughs) (laughs) all right so in general my plot summaries are going to be super quick because not too much goes on, guys. This is not this is not a deep show. This is not a DuckTales with a lot of intricacy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so in the first half of the pilot, Buddy Double, there is a double of Buddy going around town causing trouble. Like, Buddy Thunderstruck is a dog, and he is apparently a very good truck racer, and he is beloved in his community for whatever reason. So then this buddy twin comes around and does all sorts of terrible things to make the town hate buddy this twin looks nothing like buddy and is wearing a very poor buddy costume but everybody falls for it so that was buddy double in beaver dam quick pizza there's a pizza company owned by three beavers that is super fast in their delivery and Buddy is angry that they're faster than he is. And everybody says the pizza's really bad, but they order it anyway because it's so fast. So the episode is about Buddy trying to prove that he's faster than these very fast delivery beavers. What did you think about the pilot? Oh, I did not love it. (laughs) I mean... Like, it's so violent. The characters are always punching each other, which I hated. And, like, it's mean punching and intended to hurt. Yeah. And and my kids don't really engage in a lot of, like, hand-to-hand combat. But (laughs) because we've been really adamant, like, that hands are not for hitting. And so I just – and most kids' shows don't have this kind of – violence unless it's like like really stylized like ninjas fighting this was really off-putting it definitely subscribes to the whole oh physical violence is the way that men show that they like one another that they're buddies oh yeah which is so retrograde and uh yeah I agree with you on that point um, the other thing I really didn't care for about any episode is, like, the characters say fart nugget when it's, like, an appropriate time to say a f- profanity, and I just didn't care for that either. You prefer your kids use the real deal swear words? <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm kind of a fan of uh, Spongebob, 
profanity substitutions like barnacles. That one works for me. <laughs> All right. So no fart nugget in the Copperwood households. <laughs> there were a couple of funny things like Buddy and Darnell go to break out um, the Buddy Thunderstruck impersonator out of jail and like they trick the sheriff and they challenged them to a dance off and the sheriff was like no I'm a really good dancer I took a hip-hop audio course <laughs> I thought that was a, that was a hilarious line but that was pretty much all I liked about it see I didn't even remember that it was very much a skewering of American southern culture in a way that did not seem kind or coming from a place where they knew the culture so they could skewer it because they were a part of it or anything like that it was just very much those coastal elites thinking it would be funny to make a show about how stupid southern race car drivers are and ha 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 Mm -hmm. yeah I wasn't even sure if it was supposed to be making fun of them because it was so not funny it was hard for me to tell if it was like sincere or ironic (laughs) yeah That's a good point. Do you want to talk briefly about episode seven? Yes. So in this one, um, haters of the last arcade, Buddy and Tex Jr. He's like a warthog. Yeah, I think so. Or a boar, maybe a wild boar. Yeah, they have this competition on two really old video games because one has been dumped at Buddy Thunderstruck's cousin Muncie's restaurant and buddy and darnell are charged with getting rid of it but then they decide it would be fun to play it and tex jr like gets one delivered he like pulls his phone out he gets one delivered and it's like immediately there by drone (laughs) which is kind of a funny commentary on amazon now fast delivery options in our current life there's like a gold trophy inside for whoever wins it. There's like this scary guy turns out was the original developer. And when they finally do crack how to win the game, his like long lost partner, this little bearded mouse is living (laughs) inside the trophy. Uh, It was really bizarre. And then in stunt fever, um, buddy and Darnell, like pick up like an aunt or something take her to the dentist and then watching tv in the waiting room which is like folding chairs outside a rv dentist office which like not that funny yeah (laughs) and they see a stunt show on television so they decide to do their own stunt show then this other character rates buddy's stunts And then he has competition from yet another character. I can't remember the guy's name. And Buddy is just can't figure out why this guy keeps getting better raters than him until ratings than him until he finally figures out that um, audience audiences only like stunt fails. So it's only when when he gets into accidents instead of actually like jumping over a bunch of on fire toilets. Yeah. Or two defenseless babies. Yeah, it was only when he gets, like, a lot of likes for his stunts. I just, I don't even know what to say. No, that's not true. I do know what to say. We have a whole podcast about it. This is terrible. 
there was still a lot of punching. Yeah, and like the comedy, quote unquote comedy, comes from the fact that these characters are, you know, putting themselves in terrible danger and Mm -hmm. failing in their stunts in ways that would kill an actual person. And to top it all off, it's just not not funny. (laughs) I know. Not to us. Should we be making content that encourages people to think this is funny? You know, I... I know. I mean, I would say no. (laughs) There's clearly a market for it. I mean, I can envision, like, what the writer's room of this show looks like. Go on. I mean, it's probably a bunch of dudes who have a specific type of humor and think it's funny to lampoon, like, people who live in RVs and drive big trucks Thanks for contributing to the divisive nature of American culture. Yeah. So should we move on to the maybe pile? Yes, because at least we can talk about some attributes other than the plot. Okay, so (laughs) the maybe pile finds Buddy and Darnell trying to think of something to do, and they can't come up with any ideas, so they go to their maybe pile, which is a brown bag full of all the ideas that they decided to save for another day. And the way the interactivity works is Darnell picks two options out of the maybe pile. And he says, should we do blah or blah? And then you get to pick which one they do and see Mm -hmm. all the ideas in the maybe pile are truly terrible. So they, they do a bunch of things from the maybe pile. And at the end, they're like, that was a terrible idea. But a friend comes up to them and is like, Maybe it wasn't a terrible idea. Maybe it was just all about the experience. Maybe you're a better person for it. And that's how the episode ends. And they are all really bad ideas. Like, one of them I picked was, let's drink three espresso shots. (laughs) And, like, (laughs) I totally remember a time in my life when, like, it would have sounded fun to drink three espresso, espresso shots and see what happened when you were all hyped up, like, there was a time when that was a fun thing to do. And now I'm like, ooh, more than one cup of coffee. And like, I'm going to get like social anxiety. <laughs> See, I did not pick that one. I picked the other one. But was it I... garbage pizza? Oh, yeah, it was garbage pizza. <laughs> yeah. So they made a pizza with like every topping they could possibly find at the restaurant. And it was predictably disgusting. But then there was a really long fart gag where the garbage pizza made them fart a lot to the point where other customers were like, stop it. And they were like, not going to lie, this isn't going to end anytime soon. Super long, disgusting fart noises. Ugh. Yeah, not not my type of humor. So cheap. Just everything about this is a waste of a beautiful animation technology on inferior plot. (laughs) So should we move on to our overall thoughts about the show? Like, I have a question. Is this for kids? It's rated uh, for 7+. plus, But I just get the feeling that this is made, like, for a certain type of bro by a certain type of bro yeah refresh my memory on robot chicken was that a cartoon network joint 
Yeah, I think so. And it was along those lines, like made for bros by bros, right? I think so. I mean, there's like Muncie, the cousin who owns the restaurant. She's like the only named female character. It doesn't pass the Bechdel test. There's no other female characters. And it's not like other kids shows. Like, it doesn't endeavor to teach any lessons. It is just like, I mean, you have two boys and a girl. I only have two boys, so I don't know if this is unique to boys. But, you know, those certain friends that one of your sons has that are just like crazy pants and like can't settle and constantly like throwing things or hitting each other or like you know boys like that like mm-hmm. I feel like those boys would love this show Mm-hmm. yeah it's definitely more jackass style humor like remember that wholesome YouTube uh dude show we watched mm, dude perfect Dude Perfect. Yeah, this is way more jackass than Dude Perfect. Oh, definitely. I would, yeah, I would watch Dude Perfect over this every time. Yeah. Now I want to go throw a playing card through an olive. (laughs) (laughs) So stupid heroes are a time-honored TV trope, especially in kids' programs. How do you think Buddy stacks up? Here's the thing. To other dim-witted heroes. There is pretty much always a stupid character in a kid's show, but it's virtually never the protagonist. Like, it's always one of the friends is a little dimmer than the others. Joey or like a Joey. Like a Joey. Yeah. Yeah. In this, they just went ahead and made everybody stupid. Well, I think it's lazy. I think is bad for humanity just to be valorizing that kind of behavior right did you like any character i'll start i liked those little beaver pizza delivery guys i thought they were kind of adorable yeah i mean they were and they didn't have any dialogue that's true (laughs) and they were running an awesome scam where they were making their pizzas out of wood chips but people still (laughs) ate them because their delivery was so fast um i did not hate tex jr uh no Let me go back on that. I hated him less than I hated the others because I felt like in any other show, he would have been the dim friend. It was a character type I was familiar with. Like he was always getting things wrong, but usually was, if not well-intentioned, less poorly intentioned than Buddy Mm -hmm. and Darnell. But that's as far as I can go about liking any of the characters. Um, any voice actors that stood out? At no point was I like, this is a super crappy accent. Does that count as a compliment? Yeah. Well. Good. I feel good. (laughs) So for me, the animation style, like I loved the background and I actually liked the puppets. Mm -hmm. The animation style though was really, really fast. Like a lot of camera switches, a lot of frames per second really jerky too Mm -hmm. but I am not the stop motion animation aficionado that you are so what I'm really curious to hear what you thought of it yeah I guess I would make an analogy to 
how South Park looks in comparison with regularly animated shows. You know, it has the feel that it was just kind of put together in somebody's basement. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure that was intentional, but that is not at all what I love about stop motion animation. I love how fluid it can be. I love how like simultaneously lifelike and artificial it can be. And I just feel like they threw all that out the window in this one. Okay. So in your opinion, it was not good stop motion animation. In my opinion, what they did with, in my opinion, it's like I'm testifying in court. (laughs) (laughs) This is an episode of the good wife. In your opinion, uh, (laughs) I did not care for it, but I'm sure it was an intentional choice on their part. I don't think they were just bad at it. No, I think it was a, I think they were going for a certain aesthetic. Yeah. You know how sometimes we watch computer generated animation and shows and we're like, well, that was just bad because mm-hmm. they didn't have much money or whatever. In this case, I, I do feel like it was, I'm going to say artistic choice, but I don't even want to dignify this with an artistic label. Oh, it's interesting that you mentioned South Park. That's another one that I was thinking of when I was like, is this for kids or not? Because South Park is a really good show. Yeah, and branding-wise, I mean, South Park is on Comedy Central, which is kind of why I asked about Cartoon Network, although we know Cartoon Network does stuff for kids and stuff that's not for kids. But Comedy Central, I feel like, is pretty universally recognized as a grown-up channel. Yeah, the music, I thought, was another clue in that we're just a really narrow segment of the Netflix-watching population Um, because it was very different from kids show the kids shows music it was like guitar licks really hard rock like bordering on heavy metal um in the theme song and in the little transition moments it was all of a piece it it made sense it wasn't jarring Mm -hmm. so did you compare it to any adult movies or tv shows can i just say because i worry that in this whole conversation i've come off as like a horrible horribly stuck up person uh who hates fun and hates stupid (laughs) humor in my defense I live in the south and I have not always lived in the south but I love living in the south and I hate that stereotype that people in the south are slow and stupid and and you enjoyed your share of NASCAR rallies Yes, I have been to many a NASCAR race. I wouldn't say that I enjoyed them. But again, that's just because they're not for me, not because I think there's anything inherently wrong with them. I just, I take it personally, I guess. I'm enough of a Southerner at this point to take it personally when I feel like my people are being attacked. Yeah, good. I like to hear, I like your perspective. (laughs) (laughs) Well, for me, I thought of Talladega Nights. Yeah, same. Which, is that a funny movie or not? It's been a few years, and maybe it doesn't hold up. I've been forced to watch it a bazillion times, I think, is the accurate count. uh, Because, well, I have been to several NASCAR races, dear listeners. My husband is an ardent NASCAR fan, so he loves that movie. So... He apparently doesn't see it as making fun of NASCAR culture. But I did think that this style of humor was straight on the line, Will Ferrell, John C. Riley style. 
Okay. We've brought up the show New Girl before, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so that show started out really cute, and then in later seasons, they decided the way to create characters was to give them like just a series of really bizarre quirks and make them not humans at all just like oh yeah just give them like one identifiable super wacky thing about them and that would be enough so in that sense that kind of reminded me of this or this kind of reminded me of that but yeah none more so than everything starring Will Ferrell and John C. Riley. have you seen their other movies as well like um I love them as a comedy duo like I thought Step Brothers is that the one I thought that was hilarious um Holmes and Watson is on my list of two C movies but like Jeremy will not watch anything that has a Rotten Tomatoes score of I'm not sure what his threshold is but he won't watch that one because it got such a poor rating on Rotten Tomatoes that's hilarious <laughs> <laughs> I could just watch it by myself, of course, but I haven't. So as usual, we're coming at this from opposing viewpoints because the, that kind of humor just isn't my jam. I don't... Mm-hmm. Did you cast the gritty HBO reboot? Okay, so I... This past weekend, this is a long diversion. Okay. <laughs> this past weekend, I went to see a stage production of School of Rock, the musical... Oh, wow. (laughs) And I really loved the movie School of Rock. I thought it was very funny. It is like the number one thing I have ever seen Jack Black in. I think he was born to play that character. Mm -hmm. And I thought the stage version was just as charming and totally reminded me of how much I liked that movie. So I think, you know, that pairing of Jack Black and I think it's Mike White who plays his roommate mm-hmm. in the movie. I think they would be a, a good live-action duo to tackle this sort of buffoonery in a way that really emphasized the physical comedy of it, which is, I think, mm-hmm. how you could maybe pull it out of the muck. Um, right. So I thought either those two or we could do a gender swap and have it be Rebel Wilson and Aquafina. Oh, I, think, I love that. Yeah, I think they'd be a good duo. And really, I don't even care which one would be Buddy and which one would be Darnell. I think they could both do both. Mm-hmm. I like that. I just read Jill Soloway's book, She Wants It. And she's a creator of the Netflix or uh, Amazon show Transparent. Mm-hmm. Um, Problematic. Yeah, she... She no longer identifies as uh, a binary gender. So she uses um, they pronouns, which is hard for me to talk in, I guess. Um, But they address it in the She Wants It book. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's a really, really good memoir. um, And just accounting of what it was like to live through the Me Too movement as it was happening. And uh, have like a be the boss of something where something problematic happened. Mm -hmm. Um, But anyway, at one point in the book, Jill Soloway and her partner at the time, they write this like big manifesto about how to topple the patriarchy. Mm -hmm. And it's like super really radical and fun to read. And they're like, 
for the next 100 years, men can't be in charge of anything. (laughs) (laughs) So inspired by that manifesto, I would say let's get like an all-female crew, an all-female animation, stop-motion animation crew, an all-female writer's room and see what they come up with. Mm-hmm. And let's have it be like people who are underemployed in Hollywood, no names, like act voice actors and just see what happens. And it could be so good. I don't care. Like just start with like maybe the back, like give them like the background of buddy thunderstruck uh-huh. and have them build everything from the ground up. And I bet, it'll be good yeah <laughs> yeah be better than Buddy Thunderstruck so the problem when you're underrepresented is that every representation ends up having to represent everyone and mm-hmm. I love the idea of giving women a chance to find the funny in something as ridiculous as Buddy Thunderstruck because clearly that's not going to be something that everyone can point to and be like yes this represents all women. Mm-hmm. Does that make any sense? Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're giving me a look. Am I just being crazy today? <laughs> no, no, no. I like it. And it, and I should have said, um, because Jill Soloway is a big advocate for people who don't identify, identify like with a gender binary. Mm-hmm. It should be like basically non-male identifying persons. <laughs> Yeah, I thought of that, too, as I was saying it. I was like, oh, female? No, not really what we're going for. Can I just ask as a side note, did you watch Transparent? Yeah, I really, really loved it. Really? I never saw it just because I was never a big Jeffrey Tambor fan. Not because I knew any of the stuff that later came out about him. I just, I don't know. I did not love Arrested Development. I didn't watch much of that. Um, I also, after reading this book, I watched Afternoon Delight, which is on Amazon, and it's um, a film that Jill Soloway won Best Director for, I think, at Sundance or something. It was really, really good. Katherine Hahn is in it. I do like Katherine Hahn. Mm -hmm. All right. I'll check it out. And the book sounds great, too. I might uh, audiobook it. Yeah, it was was really good. Um, So... (laughs) We had Wallace and Gromit when we were kids. Yes. Oh. So do I even need to ask, was it better when we were kids? Oh, my gosh. Deborah, we had Gumby. Gumby was better than this. Like, Yeah. But you're right. Wallace and Gromit will forever be the pinnacle for me of how beautiful stop motion animation could be. That's how I fell in love with it. So heck no. This No. It was so much better when we were kids. I don't think we even need to cover would we ever watch this alone voluntarily. <laughs> so let's skip ahead to um, 10 seconds on whether this is good for our kids. I mentioned before those friends that every kid has that are just crazy and kind of violent and messy and all over the place that like you let them hang out with because they're friends, mm-hmm. but you hate the way they behave for like weeks after hanging out with them. <laughs> yeah. I feel like Buddy Thunderstruck is those friends. I mean, I kind of think this is better than Fortnite, the like shooter video game. Okay. 
But if that's the standard by which we're comparing things to, like, anything's better than Fortnite. Yeah. You're right. So if it's a scale of 1 to 100, I guess if I gave that a 0, I would give this a 1, but that's not high praise. (laughs) Yeah, what would you rate it? Ugh. (laughs) That, can that be my rating? I don't want to give it a zero just because it's stop motion animation and I want to like rep for the art form, but I kind of got to give it a zero. It, again, I had the same kind of visceral reaction to it. I just across the board did not like it. Uh, We can do better for representation of the South in television and movies. We can do better. I'm going to give it a two because I didn't hate the interactive episode. Oh, yeah. We didn't really get much into the technology. I have to say that I had to watch it twice because the first time I watched it on my computer and there is no way to make the choices on the computer. Yeah. Remember when that happened yeah. to me? Yeah. <laughs> Did you think it was as successful as Stretch Armstrong, which was the other interactive episode we watched? I mean, that was just a better show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's hard to compare. Um, I thought, I don't know, it's fun to make those choices. I guess it doesn't matter what the show is if I feel like I have a little bit of control. I feel like when people sit down to figure out how these interactive episodes will work, one of the major hurdles that they probably discuss is how will we still advance the plot in a way that we want to with people making mm-hmm. all these decisions. And I feel like this is the lazy person's solution to that, which is mm. just have the episode be not about any sort of plot. And mm-hmm. then people can make whatever decision they want because it's just a series of short vignettes. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, a good way to practice the technology. Uh, I'm still looking forward to see what more can be done with it. All right. Anything else about Buddy Thunderstruck? No, goodbye, Buddy Thunderstruck. Yes, let's put this dog down. (laughs) Oh, sorry for that, but it had to be said. (laughs) Thanks for listening to this episode of It's My Screen Time 2. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. You can check out our excellent new website at myscreentime2.com. But you can still find us on Facebook to continue the conversation at facebook.com slash myscreentime2. That's also where you'll find out what we're covering in our next episode if you'd like to watch along with us. You can tweet us with show or movie suggestions, article recommendations, or general comments at at myscreentime2, or you can email us at myscreentime2 at gmail.com. Our theme music was composed and performed by Deborah and her adorable children, and our podcast is produced by me, Katie. Guys, we have a super exciting episode planned for next week. We will have a guest host, which we haven't done in a while, and we're very excited about. So please tune in next time for more real talk about the movies and TV beloved by kids and tolerated by parents. Bye. Bye. Screen time You know when you buy your son an Iron Man costume, it's not going to look like the real Iron Man costume, but the Power Rangers is so attainable. Like, it's actually going to be the sword the Power Rangers use.